into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. And the Geeks are back on the watch. Yes, we're here in the new year, John, uh, not neglecting our duties. Uh, I wouldn't say that the last two weeks we have been, but... Uh, we definitely were on a break for the holiday. How was your holiday? Uh, we survived it. Uh, 2016 did not claim any Geek Elite uh, staff, so that was fortunate. That is very fortunate. You're right. Uh, you know, it, it 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 did seem to 2016 to claim a lot of celebrities, and it hurt uh, or hit home for a lot of people for throughout the year. Um, one of the ones that we obviously lost very right there at the end uh, was Carrie Fisher and her mother, Debbie Reynolds. And uh, obviously, you know, right after the release of Rogue One, where we saw a CGI version of Carrie Fisher uh, to make her look like she was uh, how she looked in A New Hope. I was going to say still alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, that's, I mean, I guess that was uh, one of the, the the big stories there at the end. You know, Rogue One it was probably the, I think I think it was the second highest grossing movie of 2016, and that's only because it came out with what three weeks left or two weeks left in 2016. So uh, Captain America: Civil War beat it out, I believe. Only because they had more time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But uh, you were saying, you know, off of uh, off of the podcast, but you'd finally got a chance to see Rogue One. I did, and I may be betraying my geek cred and my past Star Wars fanboyism. I didn't love it. <laughs> I liked it. It wasn't horrible. Um, it was, in many ways, better than The Force Awakens, but. I don't know if it's, um, as we mentioned earlier, maybe I'm just maturing, my tastes are changing, um, suffering through a crippling depression, but uh, I wasn't blown away by it. Okay, well, uh, I think as uh, you know, maybe a lot of our listeners would remember, our basically episode zero to uh, this podcast is when we talked about The Force Awakens. So how do you compare the two? Well, I give it props for being much more down and dirty, like war story. Um, there was definitely some allusions to like Middle East conflicts in there with some of those battle scenes, and I did really like how they portrayed the rebellion as basically also being responsible for collateral damage. That's not really something you see in the original, or even in the prequels, but the the rebellion 
or the the good guys anyway. Uh, also responsible for some deaths, you know, like innocent or people who just kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a war movie and much more of a war movie than the previous seven movie Star Wars movies. Uh, you do see our uh, protagonists definitely uh, having to do bad things to get their get their cause uh you know for uh, for their side we uh see our our main hero or not our main hero but our uh one, our male lead uh played by Diego Luna uh kill one of his informants just to get away from the empire and he does it in cold blood it's i, I the one thing i thought was interesting about this movie is that it takes a lot of the things that you you talk about in the other movies uh Especially, like, why would there be such a flaw in the Death Star? And who shot first, Han or Greedo? But, you know, there's no argument here. Diego Luna's character, which I am blanking on his name at the moment, definitely shoots that guy, you know? It's it's in cold blood. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I really appreciated that that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, good, they're not pussyfooting or, like, revisioning somebody's character. This is really who he is, and... I really liked how it shows you more like the black ops version of the rebellion where, you know, they're given a mission, but then there's like, all right, this is what you're really going to do. You're going to snuff them out the first chance you get. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, you know, he gives them that order saying, uh, yeah, we're not taking him in. It's, it's kill him as soon as you see him kind of thing. Yeah. And using, you know, the, main character Jin Erso just to get closer to her father and the guy knowing that his mission is to kill him. That was kind of cool. I also like uh, Donnie Yen and his friend's characters uh, for what little screen time they had. They were really badass. Yes, exactly. And that's I think that's one of the detriments to this movie is that we don't get to know these characters really at all. Uh, I would say we get to know the most is Jin Erso and really that's not even that much either. It's it's the movie knows that and spoiler if you haven't watched it yet if you're one of the you know two people that hasn't watched this movie yet but uh the movie knows that you're you're not gonna see these characters after this movie so they it's almost like they don't do enough characterization or give us enough backstory for them to uh care that they die at the end because I, I mean, that's one of the I thought was the downfalls is that I, I really didn't even care that any of them died except for K two S O. Oh yeah, K two S O was awesome. He was he was the one that should have survived too. I mean, he's a droid. He could have been jettisoned in space and picked up later. I mean, if R two he went down like a champ. <laughs> if R two and C three PO can live all the way since you know episode one, uh, over and over, then why can't K two S O? Oh, uh, the good die young. <laughs> okay, well, you know, that's, that's interesting. I, I know that uh, on Geek Elite Radio, we had our own Rogue One special, and there was one thing that really irked you about what I kept saying, so why don't you go ahead and bring <laughs> that up, just so that the rest of the geeks on here know that I, I'm not a, I, I failed at get my Star Wars uh, geek card. Okay, well... 
uh, I enjoyed the interview. The uh, three-way conversation with you, Chris, and Rich was excellent. Uh, I especially enjoyed Rich's uh, rendition of Darth Vader techno music. <laughs> but that being said, those things in the Imperial officers' pockets are not pens. <laughs> they are called data cylinders, and they basically are like IDs and cat card and requisition forms and pass keys all in one. They were probably made from pens, you know, back in the 70s with the prop department. Right. But, yeah, you wouldn't just pull one out and then, like, start writing with it. That's for, like, entering into the computer and then that, like, brings up your profile and all that stuff. So, so very different. So what I see it as, <laughs> and maybe this is my fandom or my geekdom pulling into it is that it they're like the crystals at the fortress of solitude each crystal does something different that when he puts it into the slot right well yeah that's a lot closer than the pen yes <laughs> or, or on the right track there or even better it's a uh, robocop spike in his hand so when he puts, there you go he puts it into the the data slot it, it makes it so that he that he can access the system actually Within Star Wars, there is another version of it that you've already seen, and that's every time R2-D2 whips out his little, like, robo-penis <laughs> that he sticks into, like, other machines, that's basically the same, like, deal. Uh, so just like with that meme <laughs> where it's R2-D2 in the Death Star, and he's getting into the computer system, and thus pregnant Death Star becomes BB-8? <laughs> Yep, that's uh, that's where it came from. All right. Okay, so there you go. They're not pens. Uh, I'm an idiot. Obviously, why would <laughs> Imperial soldiers and rebels need that many pens on them at all times? They need data cylinders. Good. Yeah, Good to know. like Rich or Chris said, when have you ever seen anybody write down anything in Star Wars? <laughs> that's so true. You know, maybe... <laughs> This whole thing would be solved. This whole war conflict would be solved faster if people were just writing more things down. Yeah, it's a calligraphy is a lost start. <laughs> uh, did you see anything else over the Christmas break, holiday break? I did. Uh, I just watched the new Ghostbusters last night. Um, I will state this for the record. I didn't pay any money for it. Okay. Uh, I got one of those deals with T-Mobile where you get a free movie rental every week, and this happened to be on there. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. And I didn't hate it, surprisingly. I mean, I knew all the backlash, and I pretty much figured it was going to be garbage. Um, I laughed out loud, I want to say, three times. And that's because I was genuinely caught by surprise by some of the jokes that were kind of good. Overall, the movie did suck. Uh, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't the worst thing I've seen. Um, I would have said, like, um, there's been three instances I've almost walked out of a movie theater. One of them was with um, Hot Rod, <laughs> which I think you were there for. Yep. Uh, cool Beans was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was hard to watch. <laughs> I also almost walked out of the ending of AI. 
Really? Just that ending was such bullshit. Uh, well, if it would have ended underwater with the blue fairy, perfect. Like, that would have been just the thematic ending I was looking for. But then you go on to the future and the space robots and all this stupid bullshit. And I'm like, wow, did we really need this? <laughs> and then one day I finally did walk out on a movie. It was Walk Hard. Oh, you know, I've never actually watched that movie. Eh, don't. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, oh, and Date Movie. That was such a horrible piece of shit. That was the first time I ever actually asked for my money back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think now, I, I remember I was working at Blockbuster when that movie came out, uh, and I watched it when it got there, so I got to see that for free, and yes, that was pretty bad. Yeah. So, in comparison to all these movies, I would not have walked out of Ghostbusters, but I would have just kind of been there, like, shaking my head at all the missed opportunities uh, that the movie had. Uh, that being said, I actually liked a few things um, that were kind of underdeveloped, but they had so much potential, like the villain. In this particular version of Ghostbusters, we have a clear human antagonist for like the first half of the movie. And I thought he was really cool. Like I actually sympathized or empathized with the villain. Okay. And I felt like, you know, we didn't really, because the movie wasn't really well written, we don't get to see a whole lot of his motivation. But I thought he was a really cool idea for something that works in there because you know in the original ghostbusters technically that same character existed but like 60 years in the past he was already dead right uh, this was kind of a new version of that where it was a little more up to date and the guy was still alive and he was trying to open the portal for ghosts to come through and they could have really done a lot with that unfortunately you know I think this material was out of Paul Feige's, not Feige's, Feig? Feig? Feig. Feig, yeah. I think it was out of his uh, league, but there was definitely potential there. This didn't have to be the shit show that it turned into. Well, so, uh, I mean, I saw this when it was in the theaters this summer, and I, I'd say I'm almost the complete opposite. I, I enjoyed this movie thoroughly. I laughed throughout the whole thing. Uh, I thought that, you know, there was obviously there is their flaw it's flaws to the story there are a lot of things that didn't work there's a lot of parts where the 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 movie just um it fails because it's trying too hard to have us reminisce and i think that happens a lot with a lot of these reboots or uh reimaginings that happen um though i do like a lot of the callbacks to the original movie and other than like Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, I thought, didn't think were the greatest, but I thought every single side character, including the main antagonist, was great. I thought uh, Leslie Jones was great. I thought Kate McKinnon was great. I thought, uh, uh, I forget what her name is, the one that was the assistant to the mayor. You know, I thought every everybody on oh, the yeah. thought side characters were, uh, Cicely Strong, that's her name. And, you know, I thought everybody was, was great in their little side roles. Um like, I just thought the weakest was Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. And unfortunately, they're the ones that are, the, you know, the, the carrying force of the movie. But, you know, I, I just remember laughing throughout the whole movie. So 
uh, I enjoyed it quite quite a bit. Yeah, there was some good jokes. Chris Hemsworth was like adorable in this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when he said that uh, aquariums are submarines for fish, I I spit on my drink. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Just his earnestness and like simpleton persona was was awesome. I now, love- here's the thing. If this movie was still called Ghostbusters, but it was actually a adaptation of the original Ghostbusters from like the 70s, you uh-huh. know, with the gorilla. Right. I think that would have been perfect. That would have been like the the best compromise. This isn't our Ghostbusters from the 80s. This is the Ghostbusters from the 70s, which just happened to be called the same, you know, title. Right. Um, I would have even said you wouldn't have to have the gorilla. I mean, we already have uh, Melissa McCarthy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you could have just made a few adaptions and you have the same thing. Well, I mean, that that's awesome. I'm glad that you finally got to watch it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh I saw over the the holiday. I got to go see the uh, the Assassin's Creed movie, which I'll say this, which is it's a very low bar to to get over, but it's probably the best video game adaptation movie that I've seen. Um, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, exact for exactly what it was. It's not a great movie, but it is a very good movie. Uh, Mag- Michael Fassbender does an incredible job. And the effects are incredible, and learning that a lot of the, you know, stunts and, and the 35-foot drop and stuff were all done practically was um, was pretty amazing. Um, uh, what else did I see? I saw Passengers. Passengers, I thought, it was a very good movie, science, science fiction-y movie that uh, uh, not a lot of people talked about, I didn't think, because uh, it... I think actually, I think it got a lot more bad reviews than it got good ones, and it it, it should have been a lot better. Um, and uh, Rogue One, obviously. So I didn't I didn't get to see too much. Oh, I also saw La La Land, which I'm on the fence of right now. Like, there's a lot of parts that I thought were great, but then there was a lot of parts of the movie that I thought were just really bad. So. All right. <laughs> Uh, you want to get to some news? Uh, yeah, let's hit it. All right. So, like we said earlier, uh, unfortunately, Carrie Fisher passed away uh, just before the new year. And there was a petition, or is a petition that's going around, uh, launched by the fans to get Disney to make Princess Leia an official Disney princess. Uh, you know, now that Disney owns all of... Star Wars canon, uh, I would assume that they wouldn't have any problems really doing that. How, how do you feel about that? I think that'd be fitting. I mean, she technically is a princess and, you know, being under the Disney umbrella, I don't see why not. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, uh, along with that is a lot of questioning about what or how she's like her role for episode eight, I believe has already been filmed. It was already done filmed. Uh, 
but there's a lot of wondering what's going to happen with her role in episode nine because I would assume they no one thought that you know she was going to pass away. So uh, they had included her in the script for episode nine, but now she wouldn't be able to film those roles. So t- the two biggest options that are out there is that um, one they just write her off between movies. Uh, there would be. Uh, you know, just an explanation of either her character died or General Organa is off doing something else. And the second option is to repeat what they did with Peter Cushing in Rogue One and CGI her into the movie using the newest technology. How do you feel about that? Well, I did read that they had planned to make her a really big part of Episode Nine, so... Um... Depending on how that's supposed to work out, if they can, you know, write around it, I say if they are tasteful with it, you know, like don't overdo it, that could work. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure they can kind of move some things around. Um, but yeah, like the that's one of the things I found a little upsetting about Rogue One is. The CGI Tarkin and Carrie Fisher or Leia was a little too, like, uncanny valley. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I personally didn't think that the, the, what they did with the Peter Cushing character, or Grand Mark Tarkin, uh, was so great. Uh, I really didn't see why they needed to include so much of it in the movie. It... it so if they wanted to do like that partly with the 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 episode what, 9 and have that character killed off that way, I think I'd be I think it'd be better, best not have her in the whole movie though. Right. Or like maybe they could do it where um she's only seen in hologram form, like very limited. So there is an element of like CGI-ness to it, which makes sense, you know, it, and it could be a pretty good callback to her first appearance in episode uh, four, where they see her only as a hologram. I, I like that. That that would probably work out pretty well too, uh, and you know would account for the, uh, you know, bad likeness in CGI version form. Yeah, and maybe it could be on a, like a malfunctioning R2 that's been damaged, so it's a little staticky and blurry. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I like that. All right, so yeah. hopefully... Hire me, Disney. Hopefully Disney uh, listens and, and we get a good version of it or, you know, uh, some good ideas come out. Oh, yeah, remember to hashtag this so that it shows up on their radar. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag hire us Disney. <laughs> there you go. Uh Still staying with Disney, but heading over to Marvel Studios, we have uh, some news out of Thor Ragnarok. Uh, The third Thor movie, as it's been said so far, is going to have Thor and the Hulk kind of on a outer space road trip. And they have now included officially Doctor Strange. Uh, But there's also said that or that at one point the two of them will be on an arena planet uh a la uh planet hulk comic book and the two of them will have to fight uh you know arena style 
uh, we have seen, you know, the two of them kind of fight each other in the previous Avenger movies. So we will get to see what that means in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I'm excited. But when you say they're going to be interstellar buddy travel movie, I think uh, Fear and Loathing in Asgard for some reason. <laughs> uh, we can't stop here. It's Stark Elf country. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think that would only make this movie better <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, you know, I love the Marvel movies. I would say... The weakest one, obviously, is is Iron Man 2, but after that would probably be the two Thor movies. They haven't really done much, I think, with that character. So what they're trying to do with this third Thor movie, you know, I think could only be better for it. So everything I've heard so far, I've liked, especially your fear and loathing (laughs) in Asgard (laughs) theory. And that's where the gamma radiation kicked in. <laughs> right when uh, they hit the high note, I want you to throw this <laughs> into the... Again, right. Disney, what are you doing not hiring us? <laughs> uh, would, well, now, would the Benicio del Toro character be the Hulk? Would that be Mark Ruffalo? Or... Would it be? Oh yeah, that would have to be him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you so instead of pick up Toby McGuire and they could make a reference to Spider Man. <laughs> so instead of him saying constantly, "As your lawyer, I advise you to," he'd be saying, "As your doctor," because Doctor Banner is a doctor, right? There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, James McAvoy still staying with Marvel, but leaving Disney because we're going over to Fox. Uh, has the, it is. One of the stars of the New Mutants movie, uh, Anna, uh, Anya Taylor, Joy, says James McAvoy will be in New Mutants as Professor Xavier. So we have not seen the last of him as uh, Xavier, when, especially since you know Xavier was coming back in Logan, but they're using uh, Patrick Stewart, obviously, since it's set further in the future. Uh, we'll see James McAvoy coming back to play Xavier again. How do you feel about McAvoy's Xavier as compared to Patrick Stewart's Xavier? Well, I think he does a fine job for the time frame that it's supposed to be taking place. But we're getting dangerously, uh, dangerously close to overlapping the timelines now. Um, I mean, McAvoy in the 80s... Um, still looks like McAvoy and he's only got like 15, 20 years before we're supposed to start looking like Patrick Stewart. (laughs) How Patrick Stewart looked in 2000 when he made the first X-Men movie? Yeah, which if I remember correctly, took place in the near future. Right. Um, And there was no super crazy technology apart from like, you know, comic book convention stuff. So I would imagine, yeah, it would. I mean, he's gonna age real hard in like a decade. <laughs> well, I, I would assume because you know, with Days of Future Past basically uh, erasing the previous three X Men movies, you know, the timelines aren't gonna quite overlap anymore. 
I would assume within the next 10 years, we're going to get another X-Men movie that then reboots the whole universe. Uh, Especially now that Hugh Jackman plans on never coming back as Wolverine again, unless we can get him to come back for that Deadpool movie like (laughs) Ryan Reynolds wants wants him to. Uh, But... Uh, with I would think that he'd be the last one to he'd be the last one holding out, so they would they wouldn't have any problems in rebooting the X Men universe. Thus, we'll get a new Xavier and a new Wolverine and a new Cyclops. Now, does it bother you a little bit that the next time they reboot this and we have a new Wolverine, he'll be probably ten years younger than us? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that until you brought that up. That that hurts. <laughs> yeah. We're getting to that point of uh, middle age, I think. We're going to be those fans. <laughs> well, I will you know, carry that card proudly because uh, I will go and see that, that movie, even, uh, even though there will be a young Wolverine. It, it will be scary. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's this kid playing Wool Logan? <laughs> uh, all right. In my day, our Wolverines were Australian and her suit. <laughs> <laughs> they were Australian and over six feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. The March of Time is seizes for no one. That's, that is correct. That is, uh, very very correct um last story i wanted to talk about which surprise surprise we're still staying in the marvel universe we're heading over to sony marvel (laughs) because we're going to talk about spider-man homecoming and uh about a a couple days ago they put out a video that kind of highlights all the tech that's in the new spider-man's suit for spider-man homecoming um we have uh, it's a video over on superheronews.com. Uh, take a look at the Spidey suit upgrades, and you get things like his web wings. And uh, let's see what else. Oop. Get killed the video or audio there. We got it's designed by Tony Stark. You got upgraded web shooters. They you can select different types of web. Uh, we got web wings now so that he can glide. Uh, you got. GPS tracking system and a holographic wrist and eyes are more are, are expressive. So just like we saw in uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, he can close, he can shutter close or shutter open his eyes. So uh, as they explained in that in, in Civil War, he is more sensitive to light and uh, that helps it so that he can see better. Did you get a chance to see this video? I have not seen the video, but yeah, I'm intrigued. I want to check out the little doodads it can do now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the most thing that I was intrigued by was the the new upgraded uh, web slingers because it it says you know you get to he gets to choose what type of webbing he wants to shoot, which I believe is a new thing in the comic books. Um, I have recently just started picking up Spider-Man comic books again. And uh, he, he does that. He he picks, you know, impact webbing like we used to see when uh, Ben Riley was Spider-Man. And we saw, you can see, uh, you know, uh, super sticky webbing or cement webbing or, uh, you know, whatever else he needs to do. And that the idea that this new suit does that uh, could be interesting. I'd like to see what else he that they're, they're planning to have him do. 
Yeah, I remember from way back in the day reading through like um, I don't know what it were like Marvel encyclopedias or something and it would describe that he could do certain variations of webbing like some were more thin uh, some were like stretchy mm-hmm. uh, and um, some were more like fake for heavy duty tensile jobs so that's kind of interesting that they're actually spelling it out this time and not some part of like bodily excretion that just magically does everything he needs. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, that was one of the downfalls, I think, of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy franchise that they made it, he made it into a bio-webbing instead of a, um, uh, a device or an invention that Peter Parker came up with on his own. For no good reason either, because if you ever see the making of book, they have the props for the web slingers. The way I'd always heard it was that Sam Raimi just didn't understand how a child or a teenager could come up with such an idea when, you know, no adult person could. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of takes away from the idea that Peter Parker himself is a genius and, you know, could create things and was uh, an astounding scientific mind, but Sam Raimi just couldn't wrap his head around it. So, I, you know, I'm not going to fault him. I still enjoy his three Spider-Man movies. The third one is pretty terrible, but I still had parts of it that I enjoyed. Uh, the second one is still, I still think is amazing. Uh, I even went back and watched it or parts of it uh, a couple weeks ago and still enjoyed it. So, well, if he can understand how Spider-Man could invent his own webbing, I want an explanation of how the Venom suit makes you a disco douche. Uh, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna get <laughs> into Spider-Man three. That's just uh, the symbiote was just handled poorly, and I really don't think that he, uh, from what I remember is that he didn't really want to even throw it in there. They just kind of made him. The studio was like, nope, you got to do Venom in the third one. This is what everybody wants. Yeah, that's the dark side of Hollywood is ultimately you have to do what they tell you, and yeah, even good directors get bad cards. Yeah, bad notes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's all I have for news. Is, uh, was there anything in particular that you wanted to talk about? No, that's pretty much it. I'm eager to get into this show because what the hell did you make me watch, Mitch? <laughs> all right. So, the, yeah, let's talk about that. We're, we decided, uh, as uh, our other shows are on hiatus or being filmed, um, we were going to talk about Black Mirror because season three of Black Mirror had recently come out on uh, – Netflix, and with that, they had all the rest of the seasons that were already out there uh, put on there. So we decided to start at episode, season one, episode one, that premiered in the BBC back in 2013, I believe. And uh, we're going to talk about the national anthem. <laughs> For those who haven't watched season one, episode one, this is the first episode that most people got to watch and... Uh, was introduced into the world of Black Mirror where basically it's always set in the near future and we have we have even more reliance on technology. Technology gone awry is usually the theme of all the episodes in the series. Um, this one, I, you know, I don't know if it really does so much technology 
as it does maybe public image communication for sure definitely communication uh a little bit of social media in there uh but basically the it's set in uh london and you have one of the royals a princess susanna one who is very highly um revered and the way they portray her is that she has a very huge social media following She's very much a activist in, uh, you know, environment and uh, personal uh, charities and stuff. And uh, she's been kidnapped. And the prime minister is told that if he doesn't have sex with a pig at four o'clock, they will kill her. <laughs> and... If you can only imagine that, it goes on from there. Basically, uh, the rest of the day, most of the day, they're trying to either find the princess or figure out a way to skirt around the kidnapper's demand so that he doesn't actually have to fuck a pig. You know, you had me at pig fucking. (laughs) I didn't think this was going to deliver on that premise, and... Wow, I was wrong. Oh, oh, it delivers. So, uh, Black Mirror, uh, just to give a little bit more background to it for those who might not know what it is, it's an anthology show. So each episode, though having a similar theme, does not necessarily have a story that continues from episode to episode. Uh, we will find out in, in future uh, episodes that, you know... Uh, the worlds do seem that they are connected in one way or another, but they necessarily aren't uh, telling the same story. Uh, we don't we don't ever really see the same characters over again. But uh, this particular story, we do see uh, hints of again in season three, and we'll come up to that when we come up to that when we talk about nosedive. Uh, but like what did you think watching it for the first I got to go watch this again for the second time because uh we were going to talk about it but what did you think about it watching it for the first time Well I didn't know what to expect so I went into it you know without reading up on it just all right this is where we're watching next let's pull it up And right away yeah I was like okay what's going on chick is kidnapped uh it's going to be one of these suspenseful type uh, how are they going to get around this so he doesn't have to you know fuck a pig <laughs> and as we got closer and closer to it i'm like i think he's gonna have to fuck a pig <laughs> i like and, the sound uh, of you just coming to the realization is like no no i i think he's gonna have to fuck this pig <laughs> yeah like <laughs> as we got closer and closer i started getting a little genuinely nervous like okay, how much of this pig fucking are we actually going to see? And, I mean, we definitely get a very softcore, like, pig porno here. <laughs> so one, we have this, yeah, one of the demands of the, the kidnapper uh, is, or not just demands, but the rules. The, the kidnapper sets up, uh, sends a video, puts it on YouTube, uh, you know, they take it down as soon as they can, but it's up there for at least nine minutes. And with that, you know, it's enough time for it to spread virally through uh, all of the country and most of the continent and then eventually the world. 
because you know anything on the internet is on the internet forever uh, no matter how many times you try and take it down and uh, don't i know it <laughs> and uh when the rules come up he he is he's made it so a way so that when it's streaming live there's really no way to fake it or not at least not easily uh the camera has to be moving at all times uh you have to they have to have li- a direct lighting on uh the prime minister and the pig you know it goes through a whole bunch of different things so that when they try to they do eventually well the government basically hires a uh porno star a male porno star uh to be the substitute for the prime minister they're going to have him wear a green screen mask basically a gimp looking mask but but green screen uh to put the prime minister's face over uh and they then they also hire a uh director who is known for his special effects and uh they're going to make it so that when he's well, even though he's moving that the special effects will still map the prime minister's face onto the the thing live and i guess the, the way they they portray it is that the only reason it doesn't work out well is because one of the crew members that's going to be filming it uh snaps a picture and then tweets of the of the porno star say you know uh that gets out on the internet obviously and uh the kidnapper figures out what what it is they're trying to do and because of that he cuts off one of the princess's fingers and sends it to the news station so the funny thing is is that before that if according to what they're telling us that if he hadn't had sex with the pig the public would have been in his favor because he wasn't giving in to the demands. But because they tried to screw over uh, or, you know, skirt around it, now the public would be against him for not screwing, having sex with the pig. Yeah, it's like a catch-22 of uh, trying to get out of doing your duty for queen and country. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Uh, which is funny would you bring that up because I guess at one point or at one point they depict that the queen actually does give him a call uh, <laughs> saying I'm, I'm basically telling him that he has to do it so that to get the the princess back and I imagined like what that would have sounded like with like real cheesy cockney like oi prick you know, <laughs> that pick of what <laughs> The most regal of regals. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes out sounding like a, a chav, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oi! <laughs> but you don't want me. <laughs> uh, I like it. Um, uh, eventually, they think they've come to, they, that they've tracked down where the, the signal's coming from. They go to a warehouse where it's being rerouted, so they've been tricked once again, and he has nothing left that he can do other than have sex with this pig on live national, then I guess eventually global television. (laughs) And uh, he goes at it. He goes at it for over an hour, they say, at some point. And I I guess he has to go until completion. I, I don't remember that. If they if the rules say that he has to finish or not, but he has to keep going. Uh, at that, I don't time, remember that either. But now I'm curious. Like, was there a money shot as part of the uh, requirement? 
Yeah, uh, I just remember at one point the, the some of the people that are watching because it's funny because everybody's watching at the beginning of it, and everybody's very interested in seeing this happen. Like it's it it's comment on our sick ideas or our sick minds, obviously about we want to see someone get killed on television, but then when you actually see it, it's not so great because people then as soon as it starts happening, everybody a lot of people turn their heads they don't want to watch it and you see the as the the program keeps going there are people who are still very interested and then there are people that are like i can't believe you're still watching this kind of thing uh at one point the girl says she goes to change the channel and the one guy stops her and says no you can't do that this is history in, in the making right here and and she's like it's been going on for over an hour and she's like he goes it doesn't matter so you know there people are still watching this and it's just uh, yeah, I don't know why. Why? I mean, I guess people go and watch donkey shows. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of people probably discovered they had a new fetish that day. <laughs> and that's a that's that's it's it's definitely what Charlie Brooker, the the creator of the show, was trying to get across. And uh, uh, you find out that the princess was actually released half an hour before he started. But yet everybody was glued to their TV, so nobody saw her wandering the streets drugged. Uh, it wasn't until, I think, half an hour into the program that a cop actually runs up to her and finds her uh, on the ground. And they get her back. But uh, I don't know who the lady is supposed to Oh, I think she's supposed to be the head of MI5. Uh, and she tells her assistant or whoever it is she's talking to that no one can ever tell the prime minister that she was released before he started having sex with a pig. And, uh, that's, you know, kind of the joke because you find out that it's this artist, an artist that constantly does, uh, public, uh, art shows of some sort, um, that did this. He, he planned this as a, a sort of an exhibit. He never actually cut off her finger. He cut off his own finger and, uh, she was never really in any harm. She was kidnapped, though, but released uh, before anything happened to her. And he kills himself because, yeah, <laughs> if you did that, you made a mockery of your government and your prime minister. I would assume that it would not look like a really good future for you. No, yeah. His chances of staying alive after this were pretty much nil. And if anything, he'd probably get tortured and sent to a dark lost prison cell but um i want to say the the lead up to fucking the pig was so suspenseful <laughs> you know as the realization sets in like oh crap he's gonna have to do it you know and he starts making that slow march towards the studio and he's given a little thing of pills which i can only assume must be viagra yeah um in order to get into the, the proper, you know, mood. And, yeah, he walks into the room with the pig. You see the pig, and that's when it just kind of hits you, like, oh, crap, this is happening. This is happening. Yeah, because you, yeah. you're right. At most, most TV shows, you would get that last – you would get that phone call the very last second, right before he basically puts it in, that says, oh, my God, she's been found. But that's not what happens here. <laughs> no. No, not I mean... at all. <laughs> He definitely was uh, balls deep in pig. And people and, were watching. Uh, I, <laughs> um, 
I really like the overall sort of tone that this thing was giving about how everybody was super obsessed with social media, following the event, spreading it, um, how it was essentially a work of art. And um, it was extreme for sure but yeah i kind of get that like he <laughs> he definitely made a a mockery of the the government and uh i don't know if this came out before or after but wasn't there a real life uh controversy it was short-lived they might have brushed it under the rug where either some um british or australian member of parliament like they were outed as during their college days they had sex with the pigs corpse yeah so at the beginning of 2016 uh i believe it did come out that uh, a member of the english parliament or british parliament um during his frat days did have a sexual act with a pig i don't remember if it was dead or alive or what the what what it what it you know actually entailed but uh, yes, you know it did come out, and uh, there are a lot of comparisons were uh, drawn between this episode and uh, that happening. So uh, you gotta wonder: Did Charlie Brooker hear something through the grapevine from a person from a person, or is it just a coincidence of art imitating life? Or yeah, I I would have to say based on what I know of like these um, high level um, frat houses that exist that they do some pretty heinous shit um, for whatever reason you know either to make you feel like you belong to something or just to kind of keep something on you in case you ever step out of line. I want to say this is not an out of the norm type thing. If you hear about the kind of shit that Skull and Bones do, yeah, that's probably relatively normal. Yeah, probably. So, uh, I, I have to, I have to say, the ending of the episode has them cutting to a year later, and it's the news is covering. This is the one year anniversary of when the prime minister had to go on live television and have sex with a pig, and you know. His approval rating is up since then, and, you know, him and his wife are doing community service, or not community service, but, you know, they're out in the public, and they're they're doing stuff for the camera, and they're seeming like a happy family, but as soon as they get back to their home, you know, the door closes, and she walks away from him, like, not saying a word to him, he's trying to talk to her. I have to wonder if that was... You know, because it was the one-year anniversary, or if their their marriage is just pretty much kaputs, they're just together because of the cameras and his job at the at the moment. What did? How did you feel about that? Oh no, I was definitely the latter. Um, if you, well, the way I took it, um, when this is all being released, she's looking at the YouTube comments, uh, you know, where it says that he needs to fuck the pig, and she. Uh, She's reading the ones where it's saying, oh, man, like, they're specifically addressing her and making fun of her, essentially, saying, hey, you know, you're, 
your husband's dick is going to taste like bacon from now on or something like that. I mean, some pretty heinous stuff, which right. is also pretty accurate if you've ever read YouTube comments. Yes, very so, much so. Yeah. So I think that definitely got to her. I mean, you would then be known as the wife of the guy who fucked the pig and all kinds of nasty comparisons that can only come from that. Um, I think it definitely destroyed their relationship. I mean, just imagine if they even ever had sex afterwards after that. Just, I'm sure that would have to be at the back of her mind at all times. Like, oh, uh, yeah, the last thing you stuck this into was a pig. Yeah, I mean, psychologically, I mean, you can imagine that that image is going to come into his head every time he wants to have sex after that. I mean it's yeah, they probably don't have a sex life anymore and then you gotta imagine you know they had a a newborn at the time of the incident so you know she that baby is gonna grow up having to be the i don't remember if it was a daughter or son but the child of a, of the man who had sex with a pig on on live television yeah at that point the only hope is that you have a really excellent pr department that can spin that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he would have to be named a national hero after that point, right? You know, saving a, a member of the royal family with his penis. I mean, like, double knighthood, yeah. One for him and one for his dick. <laughs> uh, I have to admit, the first, time I watched, the first time I watched this episode, after watching this episode, I was very difficult for me to go on to the next episode. It was very... Uh, a, it was a it was a while before I watched episode two because I was like I don't know if I could watch more of this if this is what the, the episodes are gonna be like. Uh, fortunately, you know, not many of the episodes are like this, or this at least not this subject. <laughs> uh, the the rest of the the rest of the show, the series itself, I I love. Uh, I, not that I don't like this episode, but it's not one of my favorites, I should say. So I don't know if you've gone on and watched more episodes yet. Or if you're waiting, but uh, how do you feel going forward? Well, I'm a little disappointed that they don't involve more sex with farm animals, but <laughs> I'm definitely going to keep watching. <laughs> okay, well, good, good. I'm glad, I, and I think we, you know, we have uh, quite a bit of episodes to go through. I can't wait to we get to some of the episodes that are are my favorite, and uh, we discuss those. Um, anything else you want to say about this particular episode? I think I have a new fetish. Mm, well, that's, I'm. You know what? That's it's the internet. There, you can find everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> true uh, enough. True enough. Okay, so that is the national anthem, see, uh, season one, episode one of Black Mirror. Uh, what did you guys think? Have you watched uh, this episode? Have you watched uh, the rest of Black Mirror? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you have to think, what you have to talk about, what you have to say. Uh, check us out on uh, Twitter. I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat. I am so rusty at this because we didn't do it for two weeks. This is crazy. Uh, uh, John, you're also on Twitter. Yes, I'm at uh, at magic bollocks. Uh, talk to me. I'm very lonely. <laughs> magic bollocks. See, this is this show is right up John's alley. You know, with the Twitter name like bollocks. <laughs> boy, boy. Uh, if you want to get a hold of the rest of Geek Elite Radio, it's at Geek Elite Radio on, on Twitter. Then go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. 
Uh, we are putting up new articles almost every day. We have prompts and questions we'd love our community to answer. Uh, if you have some good words that you'd like to say about us, please go to our, our Facebook page and, and put that on there. If you subscribe to Twitter, and, or not Twitter, uh, iTunes, and you get us off of there, uh, please put in a review and rate us. It, it would only help spread the word of Geek Elite Radio. Uh, then check out our webpage, our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived, archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next week, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek Geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.